Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, our fortnightly interview series all about success, modern business and the lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bullmore, the editor of Gentleman's Journal, and I'm joined today by Ben Francis, the founder and CEO of Gymshark. Ben started his fitness company with a few friends and family members back in 2012, drop shipping supplements to his pals in the bodybuilding community. The first thing he sold was a 52-pound tub of USN hyperbolic mass protein powder, an order that earned him a whopping £2 profit, but which left him nonetheless dancing around his bedroom, in his own words. A few years later, a single event caused one of Gymshark's tracksuits to go viral, and the young company went from selling £300 of clothes a day to making £30,000 of revenue in just a single half hour. But it wasn't until last year, perhaps, that the company became a true household name and the 29-year-old Ben became a poster boy for modern British entrepreneurship after General Atlantic invested more than $260 million in the business, making it a billion-pound business and, of course, a British unicorn. In a highly enjoyable episode of the podcast, we sat down with Ben up at the Solihull campus to discuss why humility is the best trait of all, the time Ben suffered a total ego death, to use his own words, and how we should always feel like we're winging it. Enjoy. But before we begin, I'd love to tell you very briefly about the Gentleman's Journal shop, our new men's style destination full of the independent brands that we love. You can find it at shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. That's shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. Head over there for special, unique releases from a fine curation of brands and plenty of picks and pointers from people in the industry who really ought to know. I'm sure you'll find something you love. Ben, thanks so much for having us at the uh, Gymshark HQ. It's quite an incredible place. <clears throat> thanks for coming. Yeah, we love it. We love it. It's yeah. nice as well, given the last few years, that people can come back into the office and be here and sort of really immerse yeah. themselves in the Gymshark culture. So what's it like when you walk through the doors of a place like this? Do you ever still kind of have to pinch yourself that you've managed to build such a huge, impressive place? Yeah, it is cool. Like even last night, we were working late last night, um, and sort of leaving, it's sort of dark, uh, the car park was empty, and then to look back and see the logo, it, it is really, really cool. I do, I do love it here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's. I think just generally you sort of like come in, do your busy day, go off to the gym and go home, but then just every so often you look back and you think, wow, this, this is a special place. Yeah. I've heard you say before that even now you still feel like you're kind of winging it in some ways. And In fact, mm. maybe everyone feels yeah. like they're winging it. Do you still feel like that even now? Yeah, oh, 100% this? every single day because... Um, I think, I mean, particularly for me, I'm, I'm in a new job now. I've just yeah. come back into the CEO role for the last four months, which has been amazing, fun, but massively challenging. Um, but equally, just like as a business, we're, we're at a stage where not that many businesses have been before. So mm. many businesses have been at our scale before, but to do it, uh, you know, online only, um, building out the community that we're building and moving as quickly as what we are, it hasn't really been done before. So you know, every day is a learning experience for me and I think everyone here. Of course. So let's go back a little bit to the start. What were you like growing up? You came from quite an entrepreneurial family, yeah. didn't you? Uh, yeah, so growing up, I grew up literally 20 minutes from yeah. here. Um, growing up quiet, very shy, chill. I, I loved playing football, massive Villa yeah. fan. Um, as I got older, sort of started to play a bit more games, like PlayStation games, your typical games, your FIFA uh, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft on the computer. So to be honest, fairly 
chill, quiet lad that just loved football and games. Yeah. But did you have a kind of bug? Were you trying out different businesses even um, as a teenager? I, yeah. As I sort of got into like my mid to late teens, I did. Yeah. So my, my first sort of... So my my parents didn't run their own business. My mum worked in the NHS her entire life. And my, my dad basically worked in um, sort of networking. Mm-hmm. Both of my grandparents, all of my grandparents ran their own business, which was really cool for me to see. And I think it's at about... I think it's like 14 years old. It's something like that. You do work experience, don't yeah, you? Yeah, like the school tell you to go off and do a week, a week or so at work. That that was my first experience of, um, of like, I call it like business entrepreneurship, anything like that. And basically I worked with my granddad who would go around the Midlands and he would line furnaces with either brick or ceramic fibre. So I, I basically did manual labour for him, which was oh. cool because, well, one, love spending time with him, super cool guy. Um, but I sort of, one, it taught me a lot about sort of hard work for one, but it also allowed me in those sort of long hours that we would work together um, to sort of talk about different things. And I did the work experience. I ended up working for him longer after that as well. And there was a point where he would explain to me about some of the risks that he took in starting his business. Um, and he talked about the fact that, you know, he'd risked everything that he had on a particular job and he would go home and be super nervous about, you know, being able to continue mm. to provide for my mom, my nan, her sister. Um, and just like being exposed to that at a young age, or at the time I didn't think much of it. I think fast forward five, six, seven years when I then ended up starting different businesses at sort of 17, 18, 19 years old. You know, me risking my four or five quid an hour at Pizza Hut compared to the risk that he took, it, they were just uncomparable. So I was very comfortable, I think, with risk because of the experiences I had with him um, when I did start, you know, essentially my business career at, uh, in my late teens. Yeah. And there was some apps early on, wasn't there? Yeah. So so the thing is, so what happened, right, was I obviously worked with him, um, loved football growing up, loved lifting and bodybuilding. And then there was this point where I think it's a... 17, it's like 16, 17, where you sort of finish school and you get mm. the option to go to college and things like that. Now, I, I, I was fortunate enough to stay on um, and do sick form at the school I was at. And I studied uh, basically a course in BTEC IT. And that was massive for me because before I'd had ideas and there's things that I wanted to do and I had um, sort of passions. At the time, it was massively and still is to this day fitness focused. But I didn't really have a method by which I would sort of create in that. Now, during... My BTEC in IT, I learned how to build websites and then later on how to build apps. So what I would do is I would just mess around and learn how to do all these things. And then because fitness was my passion, I would build fitness apps um, and then fitness websites. And over time, built, I think I ended up building six or seven different apps and websites yeah. prior to actually building the Gymshark website. Did any of them make money? Were they doing uh, well? No, none of them did. None, okay. none of them were. <laughs> to be honest, I, so I didn't do it to make money. I yeah. did it because... One, I wanted to learn how to build websites and apps. And because I loved fitness, it was just, it was, that was just the angle that it took. So the bar was sort of low, right? It was the first app was, I would love to make an app that works. Right. And then it was, I would love to make an app that works that Apple then approve onto the app store. Yeah. Then it was, I would love to make an app that works that gets approved onto the app, app store that actually has use for people. Because the first two apps, essentially, they, they weren't really that useful, if I'm honest. Um, and those last two were the fitness related apps. Okay. Then it was a case of, I'd love to build a website. Then it was a website that would do have a forum on it and have a social networking element. And then it was a website that would transact. And, and that was the Gymshark website. Yeah. And the fitness obviously has been, as you say, so central to that. Yeah. I've heard you say before that when you kind of discovered the gym as a teenager, it changed your life. 
What did, what did it do for you that you didn't maybe have before? Yeah, so in, in, in a sentence, I think the gym taught me structure and accountability. And, and what I mean by that was, as a kid growing up, I, I was never like misbehaved. I didn't misbehave mm. at school. But for whatever reason, it never really identified with me. And I had this weird experience where there would be subjects I would try out and I wouldn't get good grades. There'd be subjects that I wouldn't try out, but I would get good grades. And then there was this, this weird feeling of, it almost felt like what I put in didn't necessarily yeah. match up with what I got out. Now, as soon as I joined the gym, that completely changed because I knew that if I turned up to the gym five days a week, followed the routine I was given, then within a year, I would be better off than when I started. And, and it taught me the value of structure, the value of routine, but also the value of, do you know what, Ben, if you're tired this Monday and you've had a bad day at school and you don't really want to go to the gym, it's sort of like tough luck, you go anyway. Yeah. And I'd never really had, had that with school because I could just like essentially not do it and because it, it wasn't something I was massively passionate about. Funnily enough, it was the gym, by learning that in the gym, I then applied that to the sick form course, for example, like um, my IT course of yeah. if there were periods I didn't particularly enjoy it, there was sections in the course which I didn't enjoy, but I applied that gym routine, that mentality, mentality I'd learned in the gym to my studies. And I went from like getting like Ds, for example, in my GCSEs to like As in my A-levels and BTEC courses. So. That's what I mean when I say it changed my life. It taught me structure, routine, and accountability. Yeah. And from there, I guess, it's a short leap to setting up Gymshark. Mm. We've got one of the old T-shirts there in front mm -hmm. of us, which is with that great logo. How did the kind of identity come about? Why the name Gymshark? Why was that something you were interested in calling so, it? So now looking back, retrospectively, it feels like a big decision, which clearly it was. Yeah. But um, in, in reality, I was sort of 18 years old, and I was making what was the seventh or eighth, roughly, website. So for me, it was yeah. just one of many. And the, the bar, talking about setting a low bar, the bar was make a website that would transact, right? So that, that was it. I just wanted a website that would transact in the fitness realm. So that's all Gymshark was. Um, so the name was just scrolling around on the internet. I remember seeing like an American, I think it was an American football mascot. And it was like a... It was a cat of some sort, but a very muscular cat. And I remember just thinking, oh, imagine if that was a shark, right? So the first Gymshark logo was, as you can see here, the, the, the muscular shark, the yeah. flexing shark. So I just thought, oh, that'd be cool. So then just did that. Just It was it was all very much just a little bit of a passion project. So there yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. a long-term plan. It was website that would transact. All oh, that seems cool. Gymshark domain's available. And, and it just sort of naturally went from there. Yeah, of course. Do you think there's sometimes a danger with entrepreneurs when they're setting up their first business or even their second or third, they're overthinking it already at that stage. They're already thinking what name is going to focus group best or what logo is going to transfer to Asia or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like I said, because we, we just didn't, or I certainly just didn't think about that in the slightest. So maybe, um, and listen, there was times a few years on where I remember thinking, oh, is Gymshark the right name? Is it, is it too, does it limit us in any way? Mm. Now I've come to absolutely love the name, obviously, and love the logos that we now have. Um, but yeah, maybe I think like looking back and even to this day, I think we do, we, we have just literally approached things one step at a time. And yeah. by doing that in the long term, then it looks like these huge changes have been made, which they are, but it, it's because they've been approached in a really logical and small way. Yeah. And so what were the kind of early killer products, so to speak? What were the things that people really loved? Um, so, well, so the first products that we did was, wasn't even apparel and accessories. It was supplements. So what, oh, okay. what we did, um, we built, we built this website um, and it transacted and it worked. Um, and then we had to go off and find product to put on it. Now, a friend of mine actually worked uh, locally uh, for a company called USN who do, uh, basically they're, they're a really yeah, cool yeah. supplement brand. Um, 
and I remember saying to him, I would love to be able to buy some product to stick on the website. Um, and I think he said the minimum order was something like £8,000, roughly. And I remember, I remember thinking, like, no chance could we get our hands on that, right? I haven't even seen eight grand before. Um, so it was at that point that we then drop ship supplements. So loaded up the, the website with all the supplements you can imagine. And then those supplements would trigger an order from another retailer, yeah. basically. And we'd make a small margin. Um, took a few months, got our first sale. It was a, a, a tub of, I think, USN hyperbolic mass. It was about 52 quid, cost us 50 quid, shipped and delivered. So about two pounds of that 50 was profit. But um, now, sorry, anyone that's thinking about building a scalable business would probably think, well, that's not particularly scalable. It's not going to last, which was true. But because our, our ambition was just to make a website that would transact, I was buzzing, right? I was literally yeah. dancing around my bedroom thinking, you know, we've made it. Um, so that was the first, first, first product that we did. Fast forward sort of like a year, we sort of did that for a while. Um, and I was massively inspired by what a lot of the big lifters, uh, you know, Ronnie Coleman's, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, were wearing over in California or in the US. The problem is we would order this product and it would just be massive. It wouldn't fit and it just wouldn't work for us. So bought a screen printer and a sewing machine and started to handmake those clothes and oh, build nice. the clothes that we wanted to wear to the gym. Yeah, so yeah. In, in a way, it was actually a little bit selfish, right? Because we just made the clothes we wanted because no one else did. Um, then started to send them to friends and friends really liked them. Then started to send them to our heroes who we would watch on YouTube and they, they really liked them. And that's when we sort of really started to build it into uh, a business. And there was a big event you did early on that kind of exploded almost mm. your revenue overnight and really got your name out there. What do you remember from that? Because I've heard you speak before and say it's, it was almost accidental. Yeah, well, so there's an event called Body Power. <clears throat> there, was an, well, there was an event called Body Power in the Birmingham, uh, the Birmingham NEC that we would go to as kids mm. every year. We used to love it. It was like our pilgrimage. Um, and then it was, there was the year where Gymshark had just started and we were at this event. And I was walking around and I remember thinking, we, we've got to be here. One, it's my favourite event. It's just incredible. I would always leave massively inspired. Um, but there was this gut instinct that Gymshark had to be here. So it was at that event. I went up to the, mm. the organiser's place and I sort of said, right, I want to stand. Whatever your cheapest standards will do it. It was, I think it was about three, three and a half grand. And we didn't have three and a half grand at the time. But I, I sort of knew loosely we'd be able to, because you have 12 months to pay for it. I knew yeah. loosely we'd be able to sort of find the money. Um, and it was that year that actually went really well. This is when we were building our own sort of clothing and, you know, we, it was selling really well. So not only could we pay for the booth space, um, but we could then pay for a nice stand to go on top of it. But we also had enough money at the end to fly in some of our favorite YouTubers and people that had become friends over time um, to be on the stand. And mm. for them, it was great because some of them had never been to the UK before. It was, it was a really cool experience. Um, and the event just went incredibly well. It was, it was a proper moment where I felt like our, our gut feeling really sort of proved right. Um, and we didn't sort of do any particular rationale into it. It was just something that felt right. And before the event for context, we were doing roughly two or three hundred pound a day in revenues. And then after the event, turned the website back on. The reason the website was off, by the way, is because if we were at the event, we couldn't be back at home, like <laughs> hand making the products. So my brother stayed at home and sent out the product for us that, from any leftover orders. Um, went from 300 a day to £30,000 in revenue the first half an hour the website was then live. So we did more revenue in half an hour than the entire history of the business. Um, and at that point, because all the stock was on infinite stock, because we would never sell that much product, I'm having to like claw my way through the website and yeah. individually turn every single, every single product down to zero. Um, so that was interesting. And, and, and that was a moment where zeroed the stock. No one was on the website anymore because I managed to sort of zero everything. Um, we'd just done 30 grand, in sa 30 grand in sales, which was more than we thought we could ever do in our wildest dreams. Um, and that was the moment where I thought, 
right, I think we're onto something special here. So how old were you at that point? 2021, 20, maybe. Okay. And what was the atmosphere like day to day? I mean, who was the team? Who were you doing it with then? Well, so that, so that would have been very early. So that would have been sort of me, school friends, my brother. Yeah. It was very sort of loose. Like I said, we had like the athlete team who we were working yeah. with. Um, so yeah, it was basically just mates. And how did you start to kind of change a group of mates into a proper business? Yeah, so that's that's the interesting point. So it was not long. So at this point, we'd um, we'd managed to we'd we'd basically stored and we worked out of a sort of a, a shed. It was about three hundred pounds a month, yeah. uh, and that was the place where we would do all of our work. Now, obviously, with this influx of money, we then could then buy more stock, but we also managed to get upgrade ourselves into a really nice unit. Um, I think it was about a three thousand square foot unit, which was like ten times the size of the yeah. the shed that we'd had previously, which was brilliant. And it was at that point, because we had more regular revenues, we could start to build out a team. So that was when we started hiring. Um, hired my brother, who was employee number one, which was which was great. He was he um, he actually was going to go to university. I remember saying to him, because he was sort of unsure, he was on the mm. fence. And um, I said, do you want to come and work at Gymshark for the summer? See how you get on. If you don't like it, then you can go into uni the following year. You know, he's still here. He never left, which is, yeah. which is great for him. Um, hired some friends. But we also then had to start to find people over the next year or so that were good at different things, good at things that particularly I wasn't good at. So finance, operations, logistics, certain areas, the tech departments, product department people. Um, we really started to build out the teams. Yeah. Was it difficult ever working with friends and family? That's kind of the one thing some people tell you not to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it always is because there's this weird line of, um, you, listen, you always have to do what's right for the business. Um, and the certain friends that maybe might not be able to grow with the business. And yeah. again, that's not, that's not a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just something that naturally happens. So there was definitely times where I'd work with friends who I wished had been able to grow with the business, but couldn't, which was a shame. Um, but I would say in my experience on the, on the whole, it's, it has been positive, yeah. Yeah. In the early days, you used influencers before we even had that kind of word influencers yeah. a lot of the youtube guys was that a conscious decision or was that something that just was very naturally uh, again, kind of yeah natural about? impulsive um the the reason that we started working with like you say the people that are now termed as influencers was just because that's where we spent our time like yeah. when i first joined the gym i learned everything about the gym from watching youtube videos um, and naturally because of that, rather than watching telly, I was on YouTube and, and sort of Facebook and things like that. My heroes were there. So for me then to build this product and send it to my heroes was the best feeling ever. And it was even better for them to then respond to, to me. So there was never this like strategic moment of we sit in a room and try and work out yeah. an opportunity. It was just, listen, we love these guys. I would love them to wear our product. They gave incredible product feedback as well. Um, and that's where, that's how it sort of kicked off. That word has kind of almost become a slightly dirty word to some people, influencer. Mm. It implies something, I don't know, slightly dubious. But how do you think people have changed with the way they kind of follow people on, on social media, um, particularly when products are concerned? So I think the thing is with, with this is it's not, it's not like a new thing. Yeah. Um, this has been going on for a long, long time. And, you know, even more recently, a lot of the, the large brands have been put in or have been, you know, working alongside individuals um, to promote their brand, their product, whatever it is. Um, and then funnily enough, uh, local hit to here in Birmingham, a while ago, my, my other half moved to the UK and we sort of did a little bit of a tour around Birmingham to show around. Um, and we was in the jewellery quarter and, and there was a guy that talked about how 
all the local jewellery shops would try and get their jewellery on the royal family when they would visit the city of Birmingham yeah. because they knew if they did, then everyone would then want to buy their products and sort of want that. So I think that this, the whole concept of influencer marketing is, is certainly nothing new. I think yeah. people are now just looking at it through a new lens because of you know the, the huge change that's happened recently with social media. Uh, and on social media, I mean, I've heard you speak before about how we should try and use it as brands as naturally as we use it as individuals like yeah. following the people we love mm-hmm. what are the kind of the cliches or the tired ways of using social media that you really um, try and avoid i mean i think you just don't want it to be like a, a place for sort of corporate messaging i think you need to yeah. really be be clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve and why you are doing what you do and for us ultimately i i want as many people as possible to have that same experience of fitness as me mm. like i said if i hadn't have got into the gym if i hadn't have sort of connected with fitness at in my late teens, then I don't think, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today and I certainly wouldn't be the person I am today. So for us, it's about inspiring as many people as possible to improve themselves physically and mentally. And that's really important to us. So if you look at a lot of the posts that we do, a lot of it is centered around that. Now, clearly we do talk about the brand and the product as well um, as a tool that will help you on that journey, but it is about inspiring as many people as possible. And is it easy to get the kind of conversation going? Do Do people tell you stories about how it's changed mm. their lives and yeah and this, that's probably one of the things I've missed the most in the last couple of years is you'd hear so many incredible stories from people because of all the events that we do mm. and you just meet people and they would open up and we'd have conversations and I'd go to every single event around the world and yeah it's that's listen that still happens online particularly through sort of the community groups yeah. that we have um it's I would just probably say it happens it, it feels to me at least that like it happens less often because we haven't had that sort of IRL in real life element in the last few years but touch wood uh we're coming out the other side and we'll have a lot more events now yeah, uh, in the next few uh, few months so can we talk about this place a bit we, we had a little tour around mm. earlier and it's crazy i mean just the amount of kind of young interesting happy looking people here mm-hmm. how do you deal with the culture when it's growing so quickly and you know so many new people are coming in and it's got to come from the top i guess yeah it's hard like, i think probably we i mean we've had a lot of great successes over the last few years but i, th- I do think the thing i'm most proud of is our culture it's a, it's a proper cool place. I, I, I do, I mean, you'll have experienced it yourself, right? Yeah. There's definitely a buzz here. For sure. Um, and, I mean, you go over to the gym after work and it's full of people. And, again, everyone's helping each other. There's so many different people with, you know, different goals in terms of mm. their fitness journey. Um, and it's just, it's got an incredible level. We have an incredible level of togetherness here, which I'm really proud of. Um, and I think it's a place where people that really do want to improve themselves and further themselves definitely come. Um Managing that through growth is tough. And I think managing that through growth and through COVID in the last two years has been incredibly tough. And then when you layer on the fact that we are growing internationally as well, we've opened up offices in Hong Kong, Mauritius and Colorado, um, then it becomes even more difficult again. But I think for me, listen, clearly it starts at the top. I think you need to sort of, me, I sort of hold myself to a high account as to be be as sort of transparent and available to as many people in the business as possible. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a really cool place to be. Do you have kind of ten commandments written down? I know Amazon have their kind of leadership principles. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have we we'll have we will have um, like what we we'll call our, our sort of like our main cultural points and things around sort of like giving a shit, looking after each other, uh, transparency and things like that. So yes, we will talk about those. But to be honest, for me, it's all around like just the way that you act every day, the way that you treat people. Mm. Yeah. And humility is the big, the big humility. Yes, yeah, so I think you might have seen out yeah, here. We yeah. have um, work hard and stay humble. And I, I do think that's important. I think, um, listen, you can be the most or least talented person in the world, but like 
being humble to me is just so, so important. And it's particularly important when you're in a brand like Gymshark that's growing as quickly as, mm. as we are, because, um, you know, it's just, it's so easy to get caught up in your own hype. And yeah. I just think remain humble, remain level-headed and, uh, that will hold us in good stead moving forward. Yeah. It must be even harder for you to, to kind of stay level-headed um, with all the success at a young age. I think you'd think so, but I think I'm surrounded with more than enough people that would pull me down very quickly if, okay. I, got, if I was in any way not humble. So, right, yeah. Right. yeah, I think, honestly, there's a lot of brilliant people here who, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, they'd rip me apart if I was, <laughs> if I got, but, if but I got do cocky. You, do you ever kind of, have you ever had moments when you've had to say, wow, this is a big thing, but you've actively thought, I've got to keep my ego in check here because it could... Um, no, not, I don't know. Maybe, maybe little and often, maybe every single day. Yeah. I'm not sure. There's never been a point where I felt myself getting like wildly carried away. Um, no, like, like I said, genuinely, I really believe, like, listen, everyone at some level has an ego. And I think it is so important to surround yourself with great people. So even if there was a moment where I did start to get carried away, like I said, my wing yeah. would soon be clipped in the right way by, <laughs> by the people that I surround myself with. I heard you speak very honestly before about a um a 360 feedback thing you did at one yeah, point yeah that was interesting yeah <laughs> yeah so basically what happened was um this is going back a while now um basically we we found out about something called 360 feedback and if, for those of you that don't know 360 feedback you go and have like an, someone has or you have anonymous an anonymous thing filled in by people that you would regularly work with and it might be like ben's really good at this terrible at this he needs to improve here you know all these different things Anyway, did that. There was probably about 12 or 15 odd people that sort of contributed to mine. It was a really good set of people. Um, got the documents back, read through it, and I was, listen, I was absolutely horrified, heartbroken. It was horrible. As with everyone that looks at their 360 feedback for the first time, you ignore all the good points. You only focus on the bad for yeah. one. And I, if I'm honest, I, I clearly wasn't self-aware enough because I thought it wasn't an accurate ref reflection of me. What were kind of the, some of the points? Yeah, there? it was. I think I was probably a bit more um, hot-headed. I think when I was younger, um, probably just quick to make decisions without seeing all the information that I needed. Uh, wasn't particularly great at certain things like public speaking, speaking to camera. All these things just wasn't very good. It didn't have a good enough understanding of certain elements of the business, finance, mm. ops, for example. Um, anyway, what I did is I sort of took this report home and I put it um, next to my bed and just sort of left it on the side. I think I ended up going off to the gym or I ended up going off and doing something anyway. Came back later on and my other half was sat there and she just finished reading it. And I, to be honest, quite embarrassed to say, I was really annoyed with her. I was like, don't read that, it's mine. It's nothing, nothing like me anyway. Um, the whole thing's just a mess. Anyway, calmed down and um, sort of sat there eating our tea. And I says, oh, what, what, what do you think of that doc then? Load, load, of, load of rubbish, isn't it? She was like, no, honestly, that's probably the most accurate thing I've ever read about, about wow about you as in about me and then at that point i was like the whole world came crashing down I had a complete ego death realized that she was right i was wrong um and it was at that point i then went back i reread it and i used that to provide myself with a essentially a self-development plan and yeah. listed all of the bits of feedback that i had and literally just dedicated myself to improving myself on all of those things um i think i must have had that feedback when i was about 24, 25, yeah. so about four years ago now. And listen, it's, it was probably one of the most helpful things that I've ever had, if I'm honest. Yeah. So when you meet other business leaders, maybe, I'm sure you've met some very impressive founder CEOs. Mm. Is there anything you kind of pick up from them, from being around them? 
Oh God, yeah, loads. So that's I think that's one of the things that I, I enjoy doing the most. So almost like outside yeah. of my day to day here, it's just learning from great people. And I've learned plenty, and you learn so much from different people, right? Because everyone has their own way of approaching mm. things and problem solving, and just you know the way that they are. Um, going back to winging it, I think everyone. I've still not met anyone, no matter how successful they are, that they're not just winging it. Everyone is learning on the job and working out as they go. And I think that's really important to reference because. Um, if you are just starting out, it can feel quite daunting, yeah. right? That you know you con you'll constantly be making mistakes and you'll be learning as you go. And the one thing that I would say to any young entrepreneur is that will never change, or it should never change, because if you're not making mistakes, if you're not winging it, then I feel like you're not pushing yourself hard enough. So yeah, even some of the most successful people I've ever met, they are genuinely winging it. Um, I think an optimistic thing that I've or not optimistic thing that I've sort of noticed is for the most part they're very good people as well. Mm. Like genuinely I mean I mean that. And I think they are they're very caring and empathetic and understanding because because ultimately that a lot of the people that I've met that are so successful are successful because of the people around them. It's not like there's one wildly incredibly certainly not that I've met anyway, intelligent mm. person that just transcends all beings and can just be successful on their own. I mean I'm yet to meet that person. That they're, they're successful because of the fact that they're incredibly good at working with others and and i think that's interesting as well because when you talk about sort of entrepreneurship and starting out it, it feels like oftentimes it's this solitary thing like you're yeah. the, the entrepreneur or the founder um but ultimately it is a brown your ability to solve problems build teams and and you know be the person that people want in the room yeah um and the most successful people i've met tend to be built in that way yeah i think even steve jobs and he was kind of a crazy visionary in his mm. own way i think he still spent half of his days interviewing new people mm -hmm. who would kind of have the skills that he didn't have mm. so it shows you it's the most important thing talking of that kind of thing what are the things that that maybe you feel you're not as good at you seem like you're the consumer um, professional perfect product oh, no, what are your miles off what are your insecurities um, what are the bits you you're well, nervous about well, maybe. I'm four months into my role as CEO and I've never done a CEO role before. Mm. Um, prior to being at Gymshark, I'd worked at Pizza and with my granddad. So I'm very much learning on the job. Um, there's certain elements I'm more confident in. So if you talk to me about brand and even elements of marketing mm. um, and for the most part product, I, I think I'd be quite confident there. Um, but there's elements I need to do work on. I've spent a lot of time working on my understanding of finance, financials and even ops. Um, but I'm still, I still feel like there's a way to go to get like that level of my sort of work up to up to the same strength as sort of brand and marketing knowledge. Um, managing through change is something that I'm really enjoying at the moment. It's a massive challenge, but I'm, I feel like I'm learning a lot. Um, yeah, that's those are probably the main things. Um, just random one as well like no word of a lie i'm a terrible networker like i've just always have been it's just been something that i was literally thinking about the other day i was thinking i'm so bad at that and <laughs> a lot of successful people seem to be quite good at it and i don't want to be like a networker for the sake of it but um i don't know i'm i'm very much about like what's what's yeah. in front of me do you know what i mean like i'm not i don't think about oh i'm going to go off and text that person i'll sort of see them all have the chat and i think that's something that uh, i could probably do with being better at um being good and more thoughtful about, you know, a wider network. And uh, talking of that, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk, as we mm -hmm. know from yesterday, has just um, joined your kind of corporate yes, board. Yes, which is amazing. Yeah, because he is, well, from the outside, he looks like a man of endless energy who is probably mm -hmm. very good at the networking side yes. of things. What's he like personally? How, how do you find him? So Gary, so I've been a big fan of Gary for a long time. Um, he's obviously massive online, social, YouTube, everything mm. that comes with it, he's, he's huge on there. Um, 
And I think, I mean, I've, we've been chatting for a long time now, but I remember the first time I met him and I remember thinking beforehand, well, I wonder if, I wonder if he'll be exactly like he is on socials and mm. like very, you know, like he's, he's quite intense as you have to be on socials to sort of gain that attention and traction. Um, listen, Gary is, Gary is the same Gary that you see online, but yeah. he's, he's so much more intelligent and thoughtful, I think, than, than maybe what comes across on some of his socials. Um, and ultimately, like, sort of pull away all of the socials and the sort of facade. He's a wildly successful, intelligent business person as well. Like, he was one of the early investors into, I think, Facebook, Uber, yeah. and a lot of these sort of brands. And, you know, he's very good at seeing what's coming or what's around the corner. And I think because he's done it for a long time now, and he's experienced and he's been involved in social since the early days, he sort of has this almost like ability to connect the dots because he's seen it in different mm. areas. And, and he'll look at things um, and give examples in, in different industries or things that yeah. have happened in the past. And I think his sort of, I can imagine his pattern recognition skills are, are extremely, uh, extremely good. So have you had chats with him about... Jim Shark in 20 years. Jim, does, is he thinking that mm. kind of far oh, yeah, out? 100%. Well, that's what Gar Gary is all about the long term. And I think yeah. for Gary, he'll think heavily about the long term and then think about methods by which you will get there you, using the, I guess, the levers that are available to you today. And I think that's where he's very, very good. And I think we're very aligned on that point is we're aligned as to where we think things will be in the future. Mm. And, and the conversation is around, right, how do, we, how do we best build Jim Shark in a way that prepares us for that future? And what does that look like? Because... People presumably will still wear clothes and still go to the gym in the future. But a lot of the conversation around fashion and clothes now, mm -hmm. you'll have seen obviously is kind of digital or virtual stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that something that interests you or is that maybe not? Yeah, so listen, we're, we're open-minded. We're looking into all sorts of different things. We're looking into different pr products. We're yeah. looking into um, building out the software arm of the business as well. There's, there's a lot of different things that that we're looking into. Um, like I said, those are conversations that we are, we are having right now. Amazing. And, and let we, we, we'll go back to the CEO thing for a sec because, yeah, that's um, obviously a huge change in the last year or so. Mm. How has that changed your life on a day-to-day -day level? And then the part B to that is, why did you want to do that? Because you could have had a nice role as a kind of floating founder who then mm -hmm. maybe invested and set up other things. And you could have had a more hands-off thing. Why was it important for you to come right back in? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could have had a much easier life. That's, yeah. that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I really love this business. I love the people in the business. and I've, I love being a part of it. And that's really important to me. Um, so that that's why. And and I, I didn't like sort of put my hand up and say, I want to do this job. It was more like Steve came to me and he said he thought I was the right person to the job, which, which one gave me a sort of big vote of confidence, but also made me think, you know, maybe I, maybe I can do this. Yeah. Um, and I think I can. Um, so, yeah, I think I could have had an easier life. I love the job. I love the role. I love being involved in the business. And there's no role that's more involved in the business than this. So, I mean, I'm only four months in and I've loved every day so far. It's been great. Of course, yeah. You seem to me like someone who's got, kind of got it all figured out at a young age. I know you'll probably Definitely dispute not. that. Definitely but you not. seem very disciplined and incredibly, like you've got a kind of a good, a solid head on your shoulders. Do you ever have kind of, there's moments at 3am when we wake up and go, Jesus, what have I done? Or even, I don't know, kind of, I mean, how do you relax? What do you uh, do in your days oh off? Oh God, look, so me and my well, now wife, we got married about six weeks yeah. ago. So me and my now wife, we, we're very chill, very mm. similar as people. Well, Saturdays we tend to try and protect and just do yeah. whatever together, like mold around the house, do housework, walk the dogs, all that sort of stuff. Um, Sundays, friends, motorbikes, watch the football, Villa, still a massive Villa fan. So yeah, just 
normal stuff to be honest nice yeah. and you're not you're not working till you know crazy hours you're not sleeping uh, three uh, hours a night no 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 I'll, I'm listen I love my sleep I, I, I yeah, find right. I, I can I can sort of tone down on sleep there's periods where it would get really busy and I'll have less sleep but that's only useful for me for a short period of time then I'm, I, my brain becomes more and more useless over time so yeah um, no I'm, I think I'm an early bird just naturally I'd mm. like to be up at like sort of half five and then that's that's a comfortable time for me to wake up but I'm sort of in bed early as well. So I'm not like, I wouldn't burn the candle at both ends. No. And do you, um, you're often referred to as kind of an overnight success in many ways, just because of your youth. Mm. And obviously, you've been in businesses now for more than 10 years. Ten, well, yeah. I mean, Gymshark is a limited company. It's about nine years old. Yeah. But since actually building the website, it's been over 10 years. So, yeah. And how do you feel about, you're kind of the young face right now of British entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You really are the success story. But how does that feel? Does that weigh heavily on your shoulders, that kind of bit? No, I think, again, maybe it's that thing again, like me thinking more about what's in front of me right yeah. here. And I think because things are so busy as well, there's never a point where I'm sat there thinking uh, like any of those things. I wouldn't really think about it. Um, and then in terms of sort of press coverage and stuff, it, it tends to be quite sporadic. It's sort of there and then it's not. And um, I mean, I, I don't think anyone loves looking at pictures of themselves and things anyway. <laughs> and I'm no different in that respect. So now I, yeah. I, listen, I've... Like I said, I just focus on the job. I love what I do. Amazing. Do you have a personal motto before we go? Oh, no, I don't. But I feel like I should now. Yeah. I feel like I should have one. Uh, I've got no (laughs) idea. If I did, it would be definitely around. So, like, I'm massively around. Like, I'm a huge advocate of discipline. Like I said, the the gym taught me discipline. Yeah. Uh, Accountability is really important to me. And like I said, just I think, like, self-awareness as well. Going back to that 360 feedback, that really gave me that. And it helped me to, you know work on becoming the best version of myself possible so i don't have a motto but next time we speak i will good stuff ben (laughs) thank you so much it's been awesome thank you cheers well if you enjoyed that episode of the gentleman's journal podcast you'll almost certainly love the gentleman's journal magazine the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury entrepreneurship and style. In fact, lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.